0: Good morning. Well, I hope everybody's had a good week. Um, it's been kind of a, an odd news week, hasn't it? Yeah, been an odd news week. Lots of stuff going on. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, we know who's in control of all of this. And uh, that's where we put our faith. Anyway, so um, glad, you're, glad you're here today. Um, <clears throat> Nicole is not with me this weekend. She went up to visit the kids in Lynchburg, Virginia. So, um, well, actually, she visited Aurora. She, that's who she really went to go see. Um, my son was supposed to come down here on Friday, and we were supposed to spend time together. I got steak, I had the marinating, um, had the baked potatoes ready to go. And uh, we were going to go see a movie, um, 65. It's a dinosaur movie, so because we like dinosaurs, 65. It was really good. Anyway, uh, he was supposed to come down. Well, he has um, one of those electric longboards. Do you know what I'm talking about? And, and he had an accident and broke his wrist this weekend. And so he was not able to come. Uh, they put a soft cast in it. He gets his regular cast on Monday. So... Uh, I am, I am not trying to be like, you know, I really feel for him, I wish he hadn't have done that, but man, it was disappointing. You know, it's both. Can it be both? Can we just say that I was disappointed, he did not get to come down, but I understand and I feel for him that he had an accident. Can we just do that, right? I cannot be honest and say, oh, I'm glad he didn't come. I mean, what am I supposed to say? I, I really was looking forward to him being here, but he, he's not. And so I've been alone this weekend, which, you know, I get into stuff when I'm alone, and start creating stuff, and, and it's good stuff, not, not anything bad, um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's just been me in the house, cooking my own stuff, I've had two steak now, <laughs> well, you can't let it go to waste, and I'm not saving it for Nicole, those were men's steaks, not women's steaks, you know what I'm saying, yeah. You do it totally different. Like, guys, you know what I'm talking about. And women, you do the same thing. Y'all have your little, your little stuff that you eat with your women friends and stuff. So you know what I'm saying. Y'all, don't, don't be looking to be that, you know, your women food. That's why you call it a prayer brunch here at the church. It's a prayer brunch, right? Because y'all have danishes and all kinds of stuff. Men, men, our, our breakfasts are eggs, sausage, and bacon. Yeah. Who needs that other stuff, right? <clears throat> Eggs, sausage, and bacon, that's what our prayer breakfasts are, yeah. Brunch, we're having brunch, yeah. Anyway, that's way off the message today, way off the message. Yeah, so um, I ran across a video uh, on the NCAA, actually, uh, app this week, and it, and it was talking about Steph Curry. And it was when he was playing for Davison College, and they went to the NCAA tournament, and when he was playing, I remember this. I remember this, actually. Um, he was so good, everybody was wondering who he was. Well, I was wondering who he was, right, as I was watching him play. And the announcers were talking about how he was new and, and how this was his second year in, in playing uh, collegiate basketball and how good he was and all that kind of stuff. And so, um, you know, you, you look at a player like that, they're really good, and you're like, uh, who is that? You know, during this NCAA tournament, I've done that a couple of times. There's a couple of players that was like, who is that, and figured out who they are, and Googled them, and you know, Google has all kinds of information, true and false about people, that you can find out about them, you know. And so you look them up, and you see where they're going, and and what they did, and all that kind of stuff. But every now and then, you run across people that you're like, oh my goodness, who is this, right? Who is this person? Um, I've had the privilege of going to a couple of conferences, Um, church conferences to, to, you know, help learn and try to figure out how to do this a little bit better. And every now and then, there'll be a speaker at that conference that you're like, I have never heard of them in my entire life. Who is that? A couple years ago, I was at a uh, whiteboard conference And, uh, there was this guy named Pete Wilson that got on stage and he gave, he gave a little talk and I was like, oh my goodness, he is, he is really good. I need to look him up. So I looked him up, found the church that he was preaching at at the time. He's not there any longer, but, um, But watched him, watched how he preached, and and really learned a lot from him. He was just really neat. So every now and then, there's a speaker that really touches your heart, like on the inside of you. You know what I mean? It really moves you. And you're like, who in the world is this? Who is this speaker? And today in our passage of Scripture, that is precisely what these people are saying about Jesus. So if you're turning your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7, we'll begin reading with verse 28. So, Matthew chapter 7, verse 28 is where we are. And this is at the end of what is called the Sermon on the Mount. It's Jesus' sermon. He's on a mountain, he's preaching it. We have been uh, talking about this sermon all year, actually. Uh, We've been in and out of it, whether you realize it or not. Um, That's where our messages have come from. And this is, he's finished. He just talked about uh, House on the Rock, and now he's in verse 28. And he is, uh, they're commenting on what they have just heard, is what they're doing. And in verse 28 of Matthew chapter 7, it says this And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. They were astonished as to what he had taught them. I would say that if Jesus was to walk in this room today and speak right where I am standing, we would leave here astonished at his teaching. Wouldn't that be an awesome thing? I would willingly sit down and just let him have the whole day, right? And I bet that you wouldn't want to leave. I bet nobody would be looking at their watch The 11 o'clock crew would come in. You would still be sitting there. We'd have to get chairs. Jesus would be teaching. And we would just be absolutely astonished at his teaching because of the way that he would give it. The life that he would give to the room. The Holy Spirit working. It would just be absolutely amazing and a privilege to sit under him and actually hear him speak. I am somewhat jealous of the people that were on this mountain. Now let me be clear. I like the decade I live in because of air conditioning And Pepsi okay but I would give all that up to go back on this mountain and listen to Jesus teach they were absolutely astonished at his teaching and in verse 29 it says for he was teaching them as one who had authority not as their scribes there was something remarkably different about Jesus and the way that he talked that was totally different than everyone else I would submit to you today that Jesus, at this time, was the best speaker you could go see in the world at this moment. He was unlike anyone else. Anyone else. They had heard the scribes. They had heard the Pharisees. They had heard the Sadducees. They had heard them all speak. But something about Jesus was just different. And he spoke with an authority that nobody else had. I get this a little bit. Okay? A little... tad bit of this. You see, I don't speak with my own authority. I speak with the authority that I've been given in the scriptures. I quote the scriptures. I give them to you. I explain what they meant, right? I am up here on borrowed authority from Jesus Christ. That's what I am up here as. Jesus did not borrow anybody's authority. He already had it. And so he walked up on the scene. He didn't really quote scripture. He spoke scripture. The moment that he started to teach, everything that he said would automatically tie back into the Old Testament. He did not need to have any quotes to back him up. He didn't have to reference any literature that he had written. He didn't have to do any of that. He could just speak because he spoke with that level of authority. An amazing amazing thing. No other speaker has ever existed that had the authority of Lord Jesus Christ when he spoke. And so they were astonished at his teaching. Another thing that more than likely, excuse me, more than likely astonished them was that when Jesus spoke, you had to make a decision. You had to make a decision. You, you couldn't just ignore it because he was too good, right? You can ignore what he was saying. You listen to what he said. And every word that he spoke touched those people's hearts. And they did one or two or three things. Okay? They either accepted what he was teaching and they changed. Or they rejected him. And we know that happened because we've read the Gospels, right? They rejected what he was saying. Because it touched them at the very deepest part of their being. And so they had to do something with that. And the only thing that you can do is either you change or you reject whatever he was saying. Or the third, people just step back and say, man, I was really moved. But who is this guy? Before I step in, I need to figure out who this guy is before I actually believe in him. Who is this guy? He's brand new. I was just invited here. I heard this message. Who in the world is he? So you either change You either reject or you become very curious when you heard Jesus speak. Ladies and gentlemen, that is exactly how you should read the scriptures. When you read the scriptures, you should either change. I would not reject it, but you have that option. Or I would become very curious when you read the scriptures. You see, the word of God is the very life of Jesus in the text. Right As you read it, that is actually him. And so those are the same sort of things that you have to choose when you read the scripture as well. So people that accepted his message were changed forever. So who was this preacher? I think there's a level of curiosity that we all need to have when it comes to Jesus Christ. Who is this guy? Who is he? We know he's the son of God, but is he something more? Who is he? So, a lot of people have this discussion who is Jesus even today? This week and next week, you will have stuff come on your TV set, whether it's on regular TV, cable TV, or you're doing videos or whatever you're streaming that will have stuff about Jesus Christ. The local theater is um, showing Jesus Christ Superstar. I do not recommend that film, it's horrible horrible. It's heretical. Do not go see that. That might make you go see it. Do not go see it, okay? So there's a lot of people that have put their spin on who Jesus is, and I want to take just a few minutes this morning to talk to you about who Jesus said that he was, all right? Because I think that's more important than your opinion. I think it's more important for us to realize who Jesus is and what he said about himself, and then you have a decision of what you can do with that or what you're going to do with that. You're either going to accept it, reject it, or be curious about it. You can be number one or three, please do not be number two. So what did Jesus say about this? (laughs) Well, in John, he says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. That's what he said in scriptures. This is who I am. Now, if you've studied the scriptures for a while, you know that there are seven I am's in John that people push, right? And these are those sevens, uh, sevens, as if that needed to be plural. Listen, that was funny. I'm laughing at myself. You can laugh at me, okay? Sevens is not a word. Neither is Walmart's. And Targets, okay, are Awanas, okay, we're stopping. It's Awana, it's an acronym, okay, anyway. Okay, I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world, I am the door, I am the good shepherd, I am the resurrection and the life, I am the way, the truth and the life, I am the true vine. This is who Jesus says that he is. But did you know that there were more I am's in John than just seven? Did you know that? There's more of them. Here's some of them. I am he, the Messiah. So he's saying straight up, I am the Messiah. He says, before Abraham was born, I am. Now I know that's switched. I know that's Yoda, right? I know, I realize that, that's Yoda, right? But before Abraham was born, I am. He's saying that he is eternal. That's who he is. I am Jesus of Nazareth. I don't know why this isn't part of the list I am Jesus of Nazareth. I can kind of get the second one. I don't know why I am, I know why I am, he isn't. But I don't know why I am Jesus of Nazareth isn't part of the big seven. That's a huge one. Now, in scripture, when you read that, it says, are you Jesus of Nazareth? And he says, I am. So I kind of get it a little bit. But he is basically saying, I am Jesus of Nazareth. He also says straight, unlike the other three, I am teacher and Lord. He is saying, that he is priestly and a ruler. He is telling people that he is the king, is what he's saying. I am teacher and Lord. Here's some more from John. I am in my Father. I am in my Father. In fact, that passage of Scripture says, I am in my Father and the Father is in me. And then later in the passage, it says, I am in you, And you are in me is what it says so I am in my father he's saying that he is equal to God he says I am the one who bears witness about myself John 8 18 I am bearing witness about who I am this is why I say it's probably more important for us to listen to the witness of Jesus and who he says he says he is than anybody else that we can listen to I am the one who bears witness about myself I am the son of God That should be part of the seven. It is straight in there. I am the son of God. It should be part of the seven. So we're up to nine now, right? I know there's more, but if you never mind, I'm going to drop that because I don't want to get into it. All right. I am not of the world. I am not of this world. And guess who else is not supposed to be of this world? You and me. Once we receive Jesus as our Savior, we're not supposed to be a part of this world. This is supposed to be a place we pass through and go to our home. This is not our home. So here's some, some kind of ones. You know how preachers sometimes do. They kind of just stretch some, right? I'm just going to admit to you that I'm stretching these a little bit, okay? But I still think that they're part of the list. I just couldn't get away from it. Here's the next one. I am working. Jesus says, I didn't just come... To do nothing I came to work and his work was to serve people I am working so I included that I am glorified in my followers it's you and me anyone that believes in the name of Lord Jesus Christ we now are participants in his glory that's a huge one I am not alone John 16 32 Jesus I'm not alone he says his father is with him at the same time that, that's pretty significant to me. And then, I am from above. That's where I come from. That's where I come from. I am from there. Which ties in to a few other ones that he says that have verbs with them, right? Um, I am going. I am here. I am going to ascend. That's what he says. Because he is from above. So that is who Jesus, just in the Gospel of John, says that he is. And it's pretty impressive, some of them you might not understand, like I'm the bread of life or maybe I'm the light of the Lord. You might not understand them completely, but Jesus is telling you who he is. And he's definitely telling us that he is the Messiah. He is the one that has come to save the world. He is God. He is God. And so in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus is talking to his disciples about people talking about who he is. And now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they say, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That is who you are. So when Jesus spoke with authority. It was more than just he didn't quote people or have references. He spoke with authority because he is the authority. He is God. He is God in the flesh. And there's no authority besides him. That is who Jesus is. I am God. I am here for you. That is amazing. It is amazing that someone that has those credentials came here because you and I needed him. We needed him. We needed someone to come and help us through this life We needed someone to come here and guide us on our way. We needed someone to come here and save our souls. That is what we needed. That's what we needed. So Jesus makes this very clear. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. No one at all. I had a friend of mine, I was listening to him speak <clears throat> recently, and, um, and he was talking about being in, in the car with his grandmother. And his grandmother was driving. Which at that point I thought it was a bad idea. <clears throat> I'm not against grandmothers, but you don't know the grandmother. Anyway, he was in his car with his grandmother, and he was on his phone, and they decided to go to McDonald's. Okay, they decided to go to McDonald's get a hamburger, no problem with that. She went to McDonald's, and he's on his phone. He's not focused on what's happening. He's just on on his phone. She is in the driver's seat talking, ordering food in the drive-thru, and she says, I want a number one with a Diet Coke. Now, that is also funny to me. I realize why Diet Coke is there, but you're at McDonald's. You don't need a Diet Coke. Just go It doesn't, like, even out. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, I get Diet Dr. Pepper when I go, and I understand it. I do the same thing, so I'm a hypocrite. So, but, you know, the Diet Coke thing. By the way, the other day, Seth and I were were at a conference, and I just need to admit this, that I am a hypocrite, a real hypocrite. Um, We're standing in line at a conference, and I had my phone out, and I stuck my phone in my back pocket. (laughs) Do you all remember that sermon? Yeah, definitely a hypocrite, just wanted to admit that to you this morning. Okay, I am the way, the truth and life. So here's this grandmother, she's, she's, she is talking and, and trying to order a number one. Well, her volume goes up, because you know how you do, you know, you, they didn't respond, whatever, her volume goes up. So she says, I want a number one with a Diet Coke, okay, nothing. Nothing is said back. And he's on his phone. He's not even aware of what's going on because that's how most people are when they're on their phone. Yeah, right. I'm I'm not making fun of people. I'm just telling you a reality. So then she shouts at the thing, I want a number one and a diet coat. And when she did that, it jarred him. And he looked around and looked at her and said, Grandma, that is a trash can. And so she pulled up, and she, she of course, ordered him. I, I am concerned, ladies and gentlemen, that there are people that think that they are talking to God when they're not. I am concerned that there are people that think that they have belief in God and it's the wrong one. I'm concerned that we have, that some people might have made a concept of who Jesus is, a concept of who God is is, and they keep talking to him and they get so emotional about it, talk to him. They never hear him talk back. They never hear him move them in a particular direction. It's just kind of a stalemate. They've never heard the voice of God at all. They've never felt the draw of him. They've never felt that and they keep shouting and what they're shouting at, what they're talking to is a trash can. Because you can't, just like you can't order your food from a trash can and get it, you cannot get salvation any other way but through the Lord Jesus Christ. You have to move from your conceptions of what the world has taught you about God and move to what the Bible says about God. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And you can try anything else in this life to try to get peace in your heart. You can try anything else in your heart and have have faith in that thing, and strong faith in that particular thing. But if you do not have faith in Jesus Christ, you are not going to heaven, you do not have a relationship with him, and you're not going to find the solution to your problems. It is only in Jesus Christ. Quit talking to trash cans and talk to the real thing that can talk back to you. I am the way, the truth, and the life. This is more than just Jesus telling you who he is just so he can say, well, I'm really a big deal because I am, right? He's not doing that. He is saying, I am this so that you can be saved. Everything that Jesus says about himself is not about him Promoting himself, it's about him trying to get you to accept his gift of salvation and new life. That is what it's about. And so John doesn't stop here. And so if you're turning your Bibles to John chapter 10, I want to explore another I am. John chapter 10 verse 14 And this is one of the the Magnificent Seven I Ams. And it says this, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. I am the good shepherd. Good here is is a good that means not just good on the outside, but it comes from something on, on the inside. It's a beautiful, it's a pure beauty is what the word is. English, it's hard to really translate that particular word into English from the Greek, but it, it's a goodness that's wrapped up in beauty from the inside and out. Like, he's good on the inside, he's also good on the outside. Because we all know people that are good on the outside because they're trying to cover up the bad on the inside. Right? So Jesus isn't like that. This particular word good is he's good through and through. He's good in his heart. He's good all the way through. He is a good God. He is a good shepherd. So shepherd here is another key word in this passage. Not only is he good through and through, he's beautiful, he's pure, um, but he's also the shepherd. Now shepherd goes back to the Old Testament because in Scripture kings are referred to as shepherds. Right? Right? So they shepherd the people. The king shepherds the people. It started with David, and it's all the way through Scripture. In fact, in Ezekiel chapter 34, there's a whole thing about a good shepherd, a bad shepherd, and how the king should be a good shepherd. Now, what is a good shepherd? Well, it describes it here without us going back to the Old Testament. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own own know me. In other words, he's saying, I'm a king that knows my people. I'm a leader that knows my people. I'm a God that knows my people. And my people know me. My people know me. That is an ideal king, isn't it? That's an ideal king. That would be an ideal president. Right, That would be an ideal congressperson. That would be an ideal pastor. That would be an ideal whatever leadership position that you can possibly think of, that would be an ideal leader. The CEO of your company to know everybody in the company and they know him. Like there's a relationship back and forth. Something about knowing people that you are leading and you knowing the person that is leading you or me knowing the person that's leading me it is just remarkable and it creates a connection that can't be broken. So, Jesus is saying, I am the good shepherd, I'm the good king, I know my people, and they know me. I know my own. You see, when people know their king, when people know their leader, they trust their leader. And when their leader knows them, the leader trusts the people. So, it is easy for me to get to that I trust Jesus, the good shepherd. It is, it is harder for me to get to the place where Jesus trusts me. Right? Why would he trust me? Why would he trust me? Well, he does. This is why every event happens to you in this life. Every day that you go through is sent to you by God because he trusts you with that day. He trusts you with the good days and he trusts you to handle the bad days in the right way. He is a good shepherd. And maybe the reason that he trusts you so much is because he knows that he is there to bail you out if things go south. Now, some of you are sitting here saying, well, you just totally ruined the whole moment where I was like, God trusted me, right? But you're sitting in that seat, knowing that that's stupid, (laughs) right? Right? I am going to fail God, right? I'm going to fail him. Why in the world would the good shepherd trust me who I know my heart isn't good? Why would he do that? Well, he does that because he's the good shepherd and he's with you. He's with you. This means that I know that I'm not good, but the God that lives inside of me, because He is in me and I am in Him, He lives inside of me, and I know I can be good because Jesus is good and Jesus is my shepherd, and He's walking with me through this life. He knows me. He knows me, and I will follow Him. He knows the sheep, the sheep knows Him. And according to chapter 10, verse 16, he's growing his his flock. Um, Yeah, verse 16 says this And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. One flock, one shepherd. So not only does he trust me, but he's getting other people that he's going to trust as well. And he's shepherding them into the fold. If they receive him as the way, the truth, and the life, they are a part of his kingdom. They're a part of his sheep, and he knows them, and they know him. And he's going to walk through this life with them. So he's growing. He's growing the flock. This is why I think church growth, growth is very essential. God grows his flock. He grows it so the church should grow. In Welcome, well, not Welcome, in Statesville, a Welcome Baptist Church, a revitalization. God is going to grow another church there to be a part of His sheep and a part of who He is. God grows His church so that it's a presence in the world. He grows it because He cares for people, He's growing His flock. in verse 9 of this passage of Scripture, it says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. And the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy the garbage can. I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. He wants you... To have life and have it abundantly. And he's there to help you have that abundant life. That's who he is. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Lays down his life for the sheep. All of them. All of them. There were shepherds in that particular day that if they did not own own the sheep and a wolf came, they would run away. That's what the text says. Jesus says when danger comes, I don't run away. I meet it with you head on. Come on. I know that this is a reference to Jesus Christ dying on the cross. I know that. But it's also a reference to when you're in his fold and evil is coming in, You do not have to face that evil alone. Jesus is with you as your shepherd. We forget that side of it. I'm thankful Jesus Christ laid down his life and saved my soul, that I'm his sheep. But I'm also thankful that when evil knocks at my door, Jesus is right there with me to help me either open it or keep it closed. Come on. So you might be going through something and evil's knocking at your door. Jesus is here to tell you today I'm the good shepherd and I'm here to help you resist that evil, withstand that evil, and get through that particular evil time in your life. Now there's a song by David Crowder. It's called I Am. Has anybody heard that song? Heard that song? It's a great song. So normally when we listen to that song, we listen to that song as us singing to God. This morning, I want you to listen to it in a different way with a different perspective, okay? The verses, I want you to apply to yourself in worship to God, okay? On the chorus, what I want you to do is listen to God sing to you and what he is saying to you about where he's at as your good shepherd and the storms that you go through in this life.
1: your arms spread wide, take me like an orphan child, never let
0: Are you thankful for a good shepherd that does that? Yeah, amazing, amazing. So he's a good shepherd. He's holding on to us, and he's good. But he has an expectation for you and me. And that expectation is this: he wants us to emulate his goodness. He wants you and I to add goodness to this world. So the, the last part of this is not very well structured. I'm just going to admit to you right up. These are just sketches of stuff that I just wrote down real quick. You'll probably see it differently than I do, but these are just, just, just kind of stuff that I couldn't get molded to where I needed it to go. So we, you know, we'd be here forever and I'm not Jesus and you're not on a mountain. <laughs> yep. So here are some things about you being good as you leave here and adding goodness and good things to this world that has fallen. Here's the first one. There is enough evil, bad, in the world. Christians should not add to it. Jesus never added to it. He was always good, no matter where he was. We have too many Christians not living according to the gospel, not living according to the Bible, that are adding evil to the world rather than good. The devil does not want you to understand your importance in changing this world. And that's why he sends you temptation so that you can do evil. You need to resist that temptation and be like your good shepherd and add good things and positive things to this world rather than adding to the evil that is already in it. Here's the next one. Evil seems limitless, but it's limited. God, good seems limited, but it's limitless. It's limitless because our good shepherd, his goodness, is limitless. And we can buy into this that we can't stop evil and things move. And especially this week, it just seems like evil is winning more and more and more, right? And it was bad this week. I think it was bad this week. It was bad. Kind of concerned about the way things are going, to be honest with you. But evil has an end date. And our goodness that we do under the direction of Jesus Christ lasts Forever. And the good that you do for someone else will benefit them greatly. Here's the next one Attitude counts. Attitude counts. It counts. Here's the attitude I'm, I'm, I'm referring to. Some say, What is the least amount of good I can do to be considered to be good? Some people say, What is the least amount of good that I can do and still consider to be good? That is not the question a Christian should ever ask. This is, What is the most good I can do with my life today? What is the most positive that I can be with my life today? How can I contribute to the furtherance of the gospel and the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ today? How much good can I do with my life today under the power of Jesus Christ? That is the attitude that we need to take every day of our lives. Here's the next one. The greatest enemy to doing good is living your life always trying to be right. This one was a whole message that was cut out. The Pharisees and the Sadducees tried to be right. They always tried to be right. They would argue to be right. They would do anything to prove that they were right. They would debate you till they were blue in the face or killed you to show, come on, that they were right. And we do not need to follow that path of evil we need to be doing good for other people not trying to be right so that we make something about ourselves see when people try to be right it's all about them and they're trying to tell you I'm a pretty big deal, and you should listen to me because I'm right. And they'll push it and push it and push it. And while they're pushing it, they are not doing anything good. They are causing division. You and I are called to do good. And when we do good, we are always right. Thank you. Are y'all thinking about that one when you do good with your life when your goal is to do good with your life and add value to people and bring them to jesus you are always right but when you try to be right you're wrong being right Puts up the fist. Right? Come on. Come on. Right? Being good puts the fist down and goes like this How can I serve you today? This changes the world. Next. When you do good, you will find yourself in conflict with those who are trying to be right. Come on. You try to do good, and you'll find yourself in conflict with those that are trying to be right. You're trying to be right, they don't understand you're good, they don't understand why people are are flocking to you, why people are your friends, why people care about you, why people defend you, why people do all this. They don't understand that. They are just trying to be right. And when you do good, you'll find yourself in conflict with those who are trying to be right. And my advice to you is to ignore the people that are trying to be right. Ignore the people trying to pick fights with you and keep your eyes set on the goal of the high calling of the Lord Jesus Christ to do good in this world and draw people to him until you die. Never let your focus be taken from that big focus to something as small as a squabble between a person that wants to prove they're right and then you want to prove that you're right. Is this making sense? Jesus never did that. Of course, he didn't have to. Right? But he never did that. There was a bigger goal. Then finally, doing good rescues people. Doing good rescues people. There are different levels of of this rescue. One, of course, is bringing them to the Lord Jesus Christ, which is the greatest rescue of all. But sometimes your goodness can rescue people for the moment. I was at a, at a restaurant a couple weeks ago and have you ever just had that server that just had a bad day? Yeah, I was with Nicole. I was with Nicole eating with her. And Nicole just said, man, she is just awful. I said, yeah, she is awful. But we don't know how her day has been. We don't know how her day has been. So I'm just telling you this. Don't, I'm not trying to say anything about me. I'm just talking, okay? So when the check came, I gave her a $20 tip. And Nicole said, she's not worth $20. You know, Nicole's not here today, so I'm, I can get away with that. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to tell you the truth about B, but I will about her today. And I said, um, first of all, Nicole, um, our daughter is a waitress and she doesn't always have good days, I'm sure. So I'm thinking about her in this moment. And to be honest, that was my first stop. Whether that's right or wrong, that was my first stop. My second was, she's having a bad day and nobody else in this restaurant is giving her the tips that she needs in order to pay her bills. And so today, we are going to do good here and give $20, and hopefully that will help her have some sort of light in her life today. Now, I don't know how she reacted, but I like to imagine stuff. She sees a $20 tip, and just for a moment, she was rescued from her bad day. Are you tracking? Just for a moment. And what if you and I went out and just saw through the horrible services that we often get and the attitudes of people and just say, you know, this is just a person that needs rescue. And maybe just for a moment, I can shine just a little bit of light into their life and be Jesus to them, even though they may not even know that's what I'm doing. I know Jesus has done that for me. I'm having a bad day and he doesn't have to but he touches my heart in a particular way and gives me the light I need for that moment and that is light that we can pass to someone else. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the state you've given us and we praise your name because you're the good shepherd. You are the great I am. You are the way, the truth, and the life. And we are so thankful for you this morning. I pray that as we hold on to this very encouraging thing that you are a good shepherd and you care for us. And you trust us. as we do that, that we will not forget that we need to be the same thing for other people around us. So as we leave here today, my request is that everybody in this room becomes little good shepherds. And we leave this place and we go out this afternoon and we just try to make a difference in people's lives. By caring for them, by helping them in their dark moments, by mimicking what you have already done for us in your grace, in your mercy, in your goodness. So help us to do that this week. I pray for the person or people in this room that hasn't received you as their personal Savior yet, they haven't begun a relationship with you, I pray that the Holy Spirit will draw them to Jesus and give them the courage to make that decision today. And so we ask all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing. I'm here with you. I'm here at the front to pray with you if you need it. If you want to receive Jesus or just want me to pray, I'm here. The altar is also open as well. So as we sing, this closing